Hey, Forkers. I'm your host, Alyssa. And I'm your other host, Brittany. Today, we have a story for you coming from Russia. This episode was actually suggested by one of our listeners, Kirsten, so thank you for the suggestion. As always, source notes can be found in the description section of our podcast. Please keep in mind that some of these episodes can be triggering. If details behind murder and cannibalism make you uncomfortable, this episode might not be for you. Okay, Alyssa, something happened this week, and I think that we should cover it briefly before the episode. Okay, what is it? It's a sad story about the murder of Mel, and I think it's really important to highlight it in today's show. Wait, what? What happened? Who's Mel? I'll tell you. So this is the story of Mel. It's a dark, damp February night in a small town in New Jersey. Most would be sleeping peacefully by this time of night. Mel was one of them. He was bunkered down, sleeping peacefully, as he had a big day in the morning. Just outside, sticks break under the weight of someone or something watching Mel sleep. They creep forward making their way through the frosted woods towards Mel's home. He pauses, making sure there's no movement inside of Mel's house. This predator wants a complete surprise attack on the unassuming Mel. He pushes on, silently slinking into Mel's dark and warm room. But he doesn't wait long. He rushes Mel and shoves him back. Mel awakes with a start and lands on his feet but he's cornered. The attacker stands between him and the door. Mel makes a mad dash for the door anyways, attempting to shove down the attacker as he does. But Mel is no match for the blade that the stalker has brought with him. It's over so quickly. As Mel slumps to the floor, the reflection of the moon and the blade catches the attacker's face. It's Phil, and he ceremoniously yells, There can only be one true groundhog. Six more weeks of winter. (laughs) Are you talking about the Groundhog Day groundhogs? (laughs) Yeah. I definitely am. Okay, you had me in the first half. I can't lie. (laughs) I'm sorry to all of our listeners, but (laughs) Mel from Milltown did actually die just days before the ceremony. Apparently, groundhogs don't live very long, like only three years, so it's definitely happened before, but I guess because they hibernate, they couldn't replace him, and also he wasn't murdered. Okay, thank you for clearing that up. If you're not local to America, or you don't follow the ceremony where we all allow a groundhog to predict the weather... Is that not a thing everywhere? I have no idea, but in America, we have Groundhog Day where Phil the Groundhog predicts if we will have an early spring or six more weeks of winter. That forker predicted six more weeks of winter this year, so that's a bummer. (laughs) It's actually a huge deal here. People come from like all over and wake up at 7 a.m. to see if this groundhog will see its shadow. The theory goes if this groundhog emerges, seeing his shadow, and then returns to its hole, it predicts six more weeks of winter-like weather. Okay, that was fun, but let's actually get into it now. Let's chat murder, forkers. Have you ever wondered what humans taste like? Literally no, never. Me either. 
But today's story will definitely give Hannibal Lecter a run for his money. This is the story of the Krasnodar cannibals. Dmitry Bakshiv was born on January 28, 1982 in Krasnodar, Russia. Shortly after his birth, his biological mother, an alleged drug addict, placed him in an orphanage where he remained until he was adopted by Svetlana and Vladimir Bakshiv at three years old. And just as a reminder, Alyssa and I are Americans, so some of these names are Russian and kind of hard to pronounce for us, so we apologize in advance if we are mispronouncing them. There isn't a lot known about his early life, but many who knew him described him to be a loner and antisocial, and he didn't really have many friends. At the age of 15, Dmitri's adoptive mother, Svetlana, was diagnosed with cancer and passed away. Already, we can see where Dmitri is having kind of a hard life. All of this by the age of 15, which is so young. After the death of his wife, Vladimir became abusive towards Dmitri and kicked him out of the house shortly after his mother's funeral. His father later reported that Dmitri had been troublesome and had set fire to his room before leaving their flat. And getting into trouble pretty early here, we see a lot of the time serial killers start trouble early on in life. That's not to say that every child who's a troublemaker goes on to be a killer. I mean, heck, I think we all have a little bit of trouble in us. Right. It's just something that both law enforcement and psychologists have noticed in serial killers, and I think it's important to note. He even said of his adopted son, quote, it is useless talking to him. His eyes are made of glass. He is looking through your body and does not listen, end quote. That's such a sad statement to make about your child. He seems so unattached to Dimitri. It makes you wonder how much of that feeling Dimitri had too. Now, homeless at the age of only 15, he started to engage in criminal activity, which shouldn't really be a surprise. A few months after being kicked out of his home, Dimitri was arrested for robbing a grocery store and grand theft auto. After serving out his sentence, he found a job on a construction site and started making some income. At this point, things were actually starting to look up for him. Dimitri started frequenting local bars in an attempt to make some social connections, despite the fact that he rarely drank. At one of these bars is where he met a woman named Natalia. Natalia was born in Krasnodar on January 25, 1975. Natalia's mother died when she was very young, and her grandma took over raising her. So already, we can see some similarities between Natalia and Dimitri losing their mother figures so early on in life. Right, and I wonder how much of that created a bond between them. It's hard to understand losing a parent until it happens to you, and at such a young age, that adds another layer to it. Natalia's childhood seemed relatively normal. She was also described as having an antisocial personality with an affinity for alcohol and drugs. As an adult, she worked as a senior nurse in the sanitation department of the Krasnodar Higher Military Aviation School of AK Serov Pilots. Holy shit, that's a long sentence. <laughs> Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> right. When Natalia was 23, she married her first husband, which... Compared to America's national average age to be married of 32 years, which is not gender specific, by the way, is actually pretty young. But when I looked at the average age of someone who would have gotten married in the 70s, it was actually 22 and a half years old. 
But sadly, only a couple years later, her husband passed away, and Natalia inherited a room in a military school dormitory that had once been owned by her husband. After his death, Natalia struggled mentally, which led her to check herself into a mental hospital to get some psychiatric help. She was released a few months later after doctors found her to be mentally sound. Her stint in the hospital did nothing to help her drinking habits, and shortly after returning to work, she was fired from her job due to her alcoholism. Natalia started going out to bars more frequently, which seems like the exact opposite of what you should do when you're an alcoholic, but this is where the case truly begins. Dimitri and Natalia began living together in 2012, when Natalia was 37 and Dimitri was 30. To those who knew the couple, they were described as neighborly and relatively ordinary, other than the fact that they were both described as untidy and Dimitri, in particular, was described to always smell terrible. That's not exactly the way you want your peers to describe you. Right, normal, but that guy definitely smells funny. Despite his off-putting smell, Dimitri later got a job working as a repairman in their apartment block. On September 11, 2017, Russian police were alerted after a mobile phone was found by construction workers on the side of the street. The phone contained a selfie of a man with a human hand in his mouth. Wait, what? Oh, just wait. Other photos showed dismembered body parts and wigs. Well, what they thought were wigs. I have questions. Yeah, so did the police. The police traced the phone back to the box sheaves, and they brought them both in for questioning. And then what happened? Well, while the couple were being held, the police commenced a search of their home. In the apartment, the police found a slew of evidence, including Polaroids of dead bodies, jars with human remains in the fridge, 19 pieces of human skin, don't even want to know what that means, seven frozen packs of body parts, steamed and canned dog and cat meat. Hold on, wait. You're stopping me at cat meat? (laughs) (laughs) I just, all of this was found in, in their apartment, like the one at the military school dormitory? Yes, hence the smell. Oh, I forgot about the forking smell. Anyways, back to the list of horrors. I'm not done yet. A recipe book on dinners to prepare human flesh written in Natalia's handwriting and a video tutorial on how to dismember and acquire particular meat and fat from human bodies. That is disgusting. It was honestly hard to read, but we felt it was important to give you the details, albeit gross. And we will post some of the less gory photos on our Instagram, but be warned, if you Google this couple, there is a high chance that you will see some pretty graphic pictures. These crimes are more gruesome than some of the other ones that we've dissected. Dude, you're the worst. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Phrasing. So I've seen the pictures, and they are pretty stomach-turning. Among the photos found in the apartment is one dated from 1999 of a cooked human head with olives placed in the eye sockets and a lemon wedge where the nose should be. It was also decorated with oranges around it on a silver platter as Christmas dinner. That's horrifying. 
There's also a picture online of pickled body parts in a jar inside of the fridge. And that same picture is a whole ass raw uncovered chicken just sitting on the shelf. Um, I'm not sure what's more disturbing, the naked raw chicken or the pickled body parts. Just kidding. It's definitely the body parts. I mean, I don't recommend looking up these photos before dinner. <laughs> like we mentioned previously, Dimitri was stinky, but I literally can't imagine how bad this apartment smelled and how no one had reported it before. These people literally lived in squalor. It's shocking that nobody noticed it. Yeah, especially it being an apartment. Upon initial interrogation, Dimitri claimed that he found the remains in the bushes and had taken them home, which obviously the police knew he was lying. But even if it was true, why on earth would you take body parts home? Forkers, if you ever find human body parts lying in some bushes, please call the police. I feel like that's just assumed. Like it's a stray animal and you're taking it home. Is this guy for real? Can you imagine you're on a leisurely walk and you stumble upon a hand and you think to yourself, this would look really cute on my nightstand. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Dimitri eventually confessed to the killing of Olena Bakrushiva, a 35-year-old waitress from Krasnodar, whom Natalia accused of seducing Dimitri. Elena's body parts were some of those found in the refrigerator and in a frying pan on their stove when the police raided the apartment. Good grief. The murder occurred on September 8, 2017, when Natalia lured Elena to an abandoned building that the couple called their killing crypt. What's a killing crypt? Oh, that's what the locals used to describe as a block-built for military people, but the building was never finished, so it remained abandoned and unguarded. It was a multi-level block, scary looking, all the windows broken, door stolen. Direct quote. Sounds like not a good place to go after dark. The three were drinking vodka heavily when a sudden quarrel broke out after Natalia accused Elena of flirting with her husband. Conflict ensued and Natalia demanded that Dimitri kill Elena. Dimitri did as he was told and stabbed Elena multiple times. True love or true sociopaths? It's definitely the latter, but very Joe Goldberg, if I don't say so myself. (laughs) Oh, yes. Natalia later testified that after Elena was dead, they dismembered her and took certain body parts back to their apartment in a backpack. And Dimitri, quote, put the body parts in the bathroom, cut the skin off the skull, severed the ears and lips with his teeth, and ate them. End quote. What the fork? Can you imagine how hard it would be to literally rip someone's lips off and ears with your teeth? The Bakshiv's criminal defense lawyer, Dr. Yulia Fedotova, tried claiming during the trial that the murder and slicing up of Elena's body was carried out by a, quote, skilled butcher, end quote, who had previous experience. But that defense didn't go over very well because at this point, Dimitri was basically a skilled butcher of humans. Upon further probing during interrogation, police found that the couple may have been responsible for the deaths of over 30 people by luring them from dating websites. 30 people? 
I know. I had to go double check that number because it was disgustingly high. A former friend of the Bakshivs came forward and claimed that the couple had attacked him on false allegations that he had slept with Natalia. Retired Air Force communications officer Sergei Labensev said Dmitri reportedly approached him and told him he was jealous of him and Natalia, but Sergei says the allegations of him sleeping with Natalia are untrue. And Sergei reported that, quote, suddenly he grabbed a stool and tried to hit me from the back, but I managed to avoid it. I served in the military and I know how to protect myself. After that, Natalia jumped on me too, but did not harm me. I pushed them out of my home and called a taxi and sent them away. I reckon Dimitri was feigning jealousy. The truth was they came to kill and eat me, end quote. It was a very good thing he knew how to protect himself because they definitely would have made him dinner. This incident happened six weeks before the pair were caught, which, why was this not reported? Maybe he just didn't want the allegations to be out there, like he was worried it would affect his career or his personal life. I mean, it makes sense, but I still wish he would have reported it. More people would have been saved from the sociopath pair. A shopkeeper in their area also reported that the couple supposedly lured their victims to the killing crypt with vodka. Other claims state that they would use ether and a Russian drug called Corvalol, a tranquilizer to put their victims to sleep before killing them. Others came forward with information about Natalia making and selling, quote, pies to boost her income. She bragged to cafe owners that she could supply them with, again, quote, meat, and had worked as a chef before. One of her friends recalled a conversation they had where Natalia told her she baked pies And when the friend asked what she filled them with, she responded with, again, quote, whatever is around. Um, gross. This is giving me some serious Joseph Roy Metheny vibes. And if you don't know who he is, he was a rapist and cannibal serial killer from Maryland that ground up his victim's body parts, which he would then mix with pork and beef and sell at his roadside barbecue stand. But that is a story for another time. And I just want to know, what is with all these cannibals feeding their victims to other people? Actually, what's with cannibals at all? So it's believed that cannibalism makes the person feel better about themselves, essentially. Patients with mixed personality disorder reported that it boosted their self-esteem and relieved tension. Narcissistic personality traits come in here, too. They believe that their desires are more important than others. Lastly, the other important thing to know about cannibals is that it is derived by a combination of genetic and environmental factors. Although, there is no known genealogy that causes cannibalism. You know a lot about this. I do have a degree in psychology. Um, okay, we'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Dimitri's stepmother later came forward with insight into Dimitri and Natalia's relationship. She stated, quote, I knew that woman, Natalia, influenced him in a bad way. I saw her three times and she was drunk, aggressive, and shouting. They were even fighting with each other. It sounds like they both wanted control and it was a power struggle. The recipe for a cannibal. 
what a dad joke that was. <laughs> I know. I was proud of that one. I can tell. Natalia's claim of the murder of 30 others is still being investigated, but the police have other concrete evidence of at least two women who were killed and eaten, including Elena. Other police search conducted found body parts in a garbage bin near where the couple lived, a red-haired woman's head in a bucket with human skin nearby. Dimitri confessed to throwing the body parts away, telling police, quote, I did a stupid thing, end quote. You think? That might be the understatement of the century. Natalia Bakshiv was convicted in February 2019. The court found her guilty of incitement to murder. She was sentenced to 10 years in a penal colony and one and a half years in prison. If you don't know what a penal colony is like I didn't, it's a type of correctional facility that involves forced labor and physical isolation. I did not know that that existed. Yeah, I don't think it's widely known because it's not really used anymore. But it's basically like an exile colony and it's a remote community of prisoners overseen by wardens or governors having absolute authority. Natalia tried to appeal her sentence by pleading insanity, but lost the case. On June 28th of 2019, Dimitri was sentenced to 12 years and two months in a maximum security prison. Along with this, he was prescribed compulsory supervision and treatment by a psychiatrist. Dimitri only served two years of this sentence before dying of untreated type 1 diabetes while in custody. Okay, I have two questions. The first, why did he only get 12 years? Especially if he actually killed the 30 people like he was saying that he did. And two, do you think that eating people caused his diabetes? <laughs> well, I don't know about the diabetes, but it actually can cause creutzfeldt jakob disease, which is a brain disorder that can lead to dementia and even death. It occurs when a person comes into contact with infected tissue or contaminated meat. And they both got like a fraction of the time in prison that they should have. One of the most shocking things in researching these cases is always the ones who get no time at all for the horrible crimes that they commit. And that is the story of the cannibal family, also dubbed the worst cannibals in Russia, which is a pretty heavy title when compared to some of the other cannibal serial killers to come from Russia. But again, that's a story for another time. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that we bring you the true crime that you love without all the fluff. And we hope that we bring you more detail behind the murders. You can check us out on our Instagram under Forked Podcast, F-O-R-K-E-D Podcast, to keep up with us. You can follow and download our episodes on Spotify, Apple, Overcast, and Google. Don't forget to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. We love to hear from our listeners. We will see you Forkers in two weeks. Bye, Forkers.